everybody. The Seattle Sports Union Podcast. We're back once again on the air after a series of great ghosts, great ghosts, sorry, great hosts and great guests. I kind of put the two together there. Um, we, we now have a terrible host and a terrible guest. That's right. I'm calling out that damn dirty duck, Matt Page, and the Ram, Richard A. Michelson. You guys... Yo. We're terrible, huh? Absolutely horrible. That's going to be a terrible host, and I know Rich is going to be a terrible guest, and we're gonna we're we're gonna battle. I think. Yeah. So so it's a great way to start the show. Tell people that it's going to be terrible. No, 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 no. The show's going to be great (laughs) because I, I personally, Abraham Dewey's, will set the two of you straight on a lot of things. Ah, it'll happen. Okay. All right. Uh, so <clears throat> obviously we have, we have Rich, our, our Sounders expert uh, here today because the Sounders season is in full swing, just begun. Uh, so Rich, uh, you know, I may have, I may have missed part of the game. I watched, I watched part of the game. I, I have to admit, I had some other things I had to take care of, uh, but the Sounders losing to, uh, I, I see Abraham calls them the Nashville fighting Nashvillians. <laughs> yeah. Well, what the hell are they supposed to be? What what are they? What, what's um, the first of all? What's the team? They're supposed the to be now. like the musicians or like or the hot chickens. Something. The hot yeah, chickens I don't know. Or like it's it's kind of weird. Um, they, <laughs> I, I will say this actually: they have pretty good colors, and I, I like kind of like their crest because it kind of like it eludes like the fact that it's Music City. Nashville is Music City, so yeah. Um, all right, and they like know, their they baseball have, team does with the sounds. I think is what their name is. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Anyway, that, that's probably why they but, couldn't. Uh, get that's probably why they couldn't get a nickname because Nashville Sound is actually a great nickname, but it would clash with Sounders, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that would probably be a little too cloud, uh, too a little too close. close. <laughs> so, so we lost one to nothing. Is this should we be worried with you know? Is this a bad sign? We is it early season jitters? Uh, I, you know, did somebody die on the field? Uh, you know, no, should we no. should we pl- start plotting an overthrow and and pitchforks? What what's going on? So it's it's a combination of things. Um, number one, they they had just played um, earlier in the week an emotional um, victory, five to nothing, uh, in the Champions League over Motagua. Motagua was being a bunch of punks. Um, not only had they brought like six buses to park uh, for the uninitiated, that is a um, reference to the tactics that Motagua was doing. Basically, they were being incredibly defensive huddling in their half of the field for the most part um, and then fouling the Sounders just constantly throughout the match. The Sounders finally broke through and then poured it on in the last 30 minutes of the match. Um, Sounders really, you know, kind of hit, hit all cylinders. Um, Motagua is a talented team, has a lot of good parts, just didn't have the experience the Sounders did. Um, And, they're not as stout defensively as Nashville. Nashville uh, was the best defensive team in um, Major League Soccer last year, uh, ju- a couple goals better than S- the Sounders. And uh, they are anchored by one Walker Zimmerman, who is a member of the United States national team. He is a huge mountain of a man, very tall, has a suspect hairstyle with the man bun and ponytail and whatnot. But um uh, but he is an excellent uh, defender. He organizes that back line, and um, Nashville did not park the bus, but they sat back, were very defensive, and then uh, had like two or three good chances, um, all pretty much off of Sounders' mistakes. And uh, you know, the one time they uh, they scored, it was a, a defensive breakdown, not enough pressure on the ball by the midfielders. And um, a player who should have been tracked by a midfielder and wasn't snuck in behind Alex Roldan and got a wide open shot on on goal. I mean, oh, it was... okay, okay. Let's let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, because you said snuck in behind Alex Roldan, and I knew that's what you're going to say. And this is yep. where I'm going to challenge you, Rich. How does he mark two guys? He doesn't. He doesn't. I think it, he's it, left. I'm he's not. Left. I'm not faulting Roldan at all, but. Um, because basically the, uh, the left back had come up to defend a man, which means all the other defenders are, we were playing four guys in the back. All the other defenders had to slide over and take the next man over. It's, it's like a, a defensive switch, like thinking basketball when you're doing a rotation 
um, because someone gets beat, right? Like the next, the closest defender has to slide in front of the guy driving the ball. Otherwise they get a, a free layup. Same, same principle here applies is that the left back uh, went out uh, to, to, to mark, to, to defend. Um, and so the left center back and the right center back, he just slid left and rolled on, had to cover um, the guy that the right center back was guarding. And now he's guarding him. And then, uh, there's a runner from the midfield came in, you know, came in late um, behind rolled on and yeah, he can't, he can't mark two guys. You're absolutely right. And um, yeah, that, it's, you know what just that a, it's just not, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a two on one. You, you, yeah. you're going to lose that um, if the pass is accurate and okay. it was, and I thought you were going to blame him, but, uh, but, but no, you're already Alex rolled on. I'm, uh, you know, uh, we talked about this at the end of last year um, in, in the major league, uh, the MLS cup loss to Columbus. The first goal was blamed by a lot of people on rolled on, but the problem was that Joven Jones was being a lollygagging punk and not defending and put uh, rolled on in, in no man's land, basically where he had to defend. Um, he had to defend both the midfielder and the, and the outside back on his side of the field. And, um, you know, uh, major league soccer players are good enough that if you leave them undefended at the midfield stripe, they're good enough to pay a, a perfect pass to someone to get them in, you know, uh, in, in a good offensive sh you know, space. And so, um, rolled on, went up, defended him, and then uh, the run that, that ends up being the goal comes into the spot that he vacated, and and um. The, the midfielder who should have been doing the defensive work didn't rotate back like he should have. And anyway, Rodon is a super solid defender and almost never makes um, uh, defensive lapses. How, how offensive lapses? Sure. Defensive lapses, not usually. So you're not, not going to lay, lay this one on him. I don't know if this will track. I, I don't know how much mm -hmm. you guys are up on uh, college basketball, but I mean, there's a thing uh, last 20 years called the, the Princeton offense in college basketball. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, essentially just a, uh, it's, it's a constant motion philosophy that does exactly, you know, like uh, with the uh, Utah jazz used to do back in the nineties. And it looked like on that play with Nashville is, yeah, they just kind of, they used motion and just overloaded on one, uh, you know, on one side, that, that strong side and slipped in a sneaky back guy in the back mm -hmm. and the Sounders overshifted. Um, but yeah, I don't think that was Alex. I think I think they just got outsmarted on that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the other thing. I mean, they were playing two games in three and a half days. Um, You're gonna and, make me ask the question again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are we are we getting screwed because you know there's the, we're playing all these additional leagues. We're playing additional. Yeah. We're sending our best players off to do other things, and we're you know we're getting we're having to play twice what a, what a normal team does in the MLS. Yeah. Um, would, should we, should we do that? I mean, why, why, why yes. bother? Why, the MLS why, cup is our, is our priority. We're in the MLS which should be our priority. Well, that is a great set of questions. Um, sort of, we're getting screwed. All of the major league soccer teams that played champions league uh, this week, all, they all lost every single one of them lost. Um, this is normal for two reasons. The first few weeks of the season, maybe three or four weeks, you're you're still getting into game shape, and so you see oftentimes um, teams across the league um, they get to about the 60th minute and guys start to lose their legs. They're just not used. There is nothing you can do in practice that simulates running for 90 minutes. There is nothing that that that, that simulates run for 90 minutes. Not it's it's just not the same. I mean, you can run, but it's not it's not playing a match. The only thing that that gets you in match shape is playing matches. Much like for say pitchers in baseball, for example, right early in the season they can't usually go nine innings. I mean, some of them do, but they ought not to in general because fatigue and you know muscle stress. Their their body like there's nothing that's quite like pitching a baseball game except pitching in a baseball game for real, right? Like. It's just not the same. Um, and so uh, you often see these teams get worn out and the Sounders looked a little bit tired um, and, and they probably have some fatigue um, left over from last year, even though, you know, they didn't make the final like they did the year before both Christian rolled on and his brother, Alex rolled on just for, as an example, both played more minutes 
between um, the Sounders and um, for their national teams, uh, El Salvador and the United States, respectively, than they have ever played in any calendar year before. So both guys are Ironmen. They both just are kind of tireless and they almost ever, never, never miss a match or sub out. But eventually everyone gets tired. And I think that that is, is part of it. Here's the other thing. The Sounders made a fundamental tactical change this year. So last year it was all about the three in the back or the five in the back, basically the extra center back because we had an extra center back. So we played with an extra center back to take advantage of our talents. We've lost one of our extra center backs um, and we traded um, our left back, Brad Smith. Um, so now knew who was, who was playing left center back. He's moved back over to left back. Uh, Jimmy Madronda, the other left back is injured. Um, and then we have uh, Ariaga and uh, Yamar at center back. So we're playing four in the back. Then we have two defensive midfielders uh, in front of them. Well, hang on, hang on. Don't just go over that too quickly. What, okay. you're, what you're saying, you know, for, for people that may not know, be in the know, uh, is, is what? That people are playing We've out of position? We've made a major tactical change. Well, I mean, are people playing out of position? Is that the problem? No, no. No one is playing out of position. Okay. It's just that we spent an entire year playing um, in soccer uh, at, at the defensive back side of things. You either play with two center backs or you play with three center backs. That, I mean, that, that is a key fundamental question. As much as fundamental as do you play with two strikers or do you play with one striker, basically, in, in, in today's game, right? And that kind of dictates the rest of the formation. So the okay, Sounders okay, so let last me, year played so let me most that, of the season with two strikers down. and three center backs Rich, and Rich, five midfielders. Rich, Rich, let me break that down for people who may not be in the know. Uh, so if you're a football fan, that might be like playing with one safety or cover two safety, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I it's a I'm fundamental follow- change to the, to the defense. Follow- so it's like switching from three, four to four, three on the line. Exactly. Right. Okay. Um, and it's, it's even more extreme than that. It's like switching from a four, three defense as your base defense mm-hmm. to a three, three nickel. Okay. In, in that it's just a, it's a, so it's, it's a, a, it's a, a completely different setup you have different responsibilities on the field as far as how you divide up this field and which players you would track and mark and the defensive rotations are different just fundamentally different i mean you're dividing the field into threes or into fives in the at the back um in a three when you have three center backs there's always two outside guys called wing backs and you can argue that they're wingers and they're in the midfield, or you can argue that they're 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 defenders and they're in the back. But they're basically they they kind of shift between both sides. And uh, when you defend, you have five guys kind of across the line in the back. And when you attack, those guys move up into the midfield. And so you're basically dividing the the field into th- thirds with three in the back when you're on offense, and you're dividing the field into fifths when you're on defense. And so now the Sounders have switched. They're doing a four-man back line. So you're dividing the field into quarters. quarters. And then uh, when you know when you attack on one side, the uh, the outside back, the fullback is the other name for it, moves up into the attack on that side, um, and things kind of shift over. So it's it's a it's a fundamental difference. Now the good news is the Sounders have played this particular formation the entirety of Brian Schmetzer's tenure except last year. And that so, was, oh, go ahead, man. I was going to say, so then back to my original question, basically. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is we we've changed systems fundamentally mm-hmm. and players aren't fully in game shape yet. So I shouldn't be wor- too worried because Nashville was a great defensive pl- team. I shouldn't be too worried about the showing that we had. No. against Nashville. Well, Do not well, be worried. Well, um, we- Nashville is probably one of the top six or seven teams in the league right now okay um this is the most i've said this the last two years this is the most talented sounders team in history right and that's where i was going to go is like you know you can say don't be worried but i didn't see Rui diaz or nico lidero on the field well nico was on the field um but Rui diaz okay he was a a small injury in champions league and they pulled him off to, to keep him safe basically 
So he he missed the the first match against Nashville. Okay, because I I didn't even see Ladero. All I saw was some guy named Vargas, like missing everything. <laughs> um, I think that's some bad analysis on your part. Well, um, I mean, where was Ladero? I mean, Var- he was Vargas. a non-factor. Vargas was absolutely a factor. He was all over the field. I said Ladero. He had like Ladero three tackles, it. about uh, ten recoveries, um, two key passes. Um, oh, he, he went two up, for three on his dribbles. He gave up the balls several times, dude. Oh, he sure did. No, don't don't get me wrong, but Ladero also gave up the ball a bunch. And if yeah. you didn't see Ladero, I don't know if you were you like three or four too many beers into your uh, your night or what. But um, um, Ladero was there playing at his his best position, the central attacking midfielder, and um, I mean the, the, I the fact of the it. matter is. The Sounders um, are very talented um, and have depth in the right places. This is one of those situations of a little, uh, just not quite enough time to gel, and and I mean some bad some bad luck. Th- this was the game of this was the game of half chances, and, and I'm going to go back to baseball since it's baseball season, or it should be baseball season. We'll get to that later in the show, guys. Yeah, but um, we'll get there. This is like the team that keeps on missing, you know, cashing in on, you know, runners on second and third with nobody out, right? And you you get that ground ball in the hole, and somehow the the third baseman scoops, just barely scoops it up, and gets the out, right? And then you hit that that blooper you know, into like no man's land between center second and short. Right. And they still catch the ball. Right. And you know, it's, it's that, it's that team that's just having bad luck. Right. Things are just a little bit off, right. They're not gelling They can't turn the double play quite perfectly enough. And so they're letting that extra base runner on. That's basically how it was the the pass that like the pass before the pass that leads to the goal was just, just a touch off. Well, I don't know. I think you make your own luck, and I didn't see much going on offensively. Uh, and maybe you're right. Not you're right. There. Um, but I thought Jordan uh, Nashville was be. very good defensively. They pressed, especially early in the game, and totally took the Sounders out. Um, and um, you know, the Sounders did not have um, you know the best from their main. You know, their their two two main guys, uh, Jal Paulo and, and Christian Roldan. Roldan was playing on the right, the at right wing, which is not really his best position. He's he's better in the center of the park, and um, you know they they had the backup striker, actually the fourth string striker, um, uh, playing Sam Dineron, who was very good in 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 Tacoma last year. But it's you know it's a league down. He he was in my you know in the second division. Let me ask and you. So it's, let me ask it's, you about. Let me ask you about that. Why wasn't Will Bruin or Freddie Montero? Ah, Will Bruin is re- still recovering from um, strain, and uh, Will Bruin, I think at this point, is thirty-two or thirty-three, so they're just being a little cautious. Okay, but they brought um, Freddie Montero in in the second half. Why didn't he start? Uh, why didn't Montero start? Yeah, because Montero can't start on is a consistent basis. Just too and old not or... certainly not the first game of the season. He's just not in shape. He's he's like thirty five at this point okay. he doesn't have the legs that he used to you say that like it's old well i, I say it like it's it's <laughs> old for being a soccer player when you've you know you've been playing you know uh, 30 to 50 games a year since you were 12 it wears on your spine and on your knees and your hips and you know, all your joints and you just can't you just can't do it especially on turf you know the 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 field turf in 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 uh what is the, what is the name? Lumen Field. Uh, Lumen Field. Yeah. I don't We're know, Rich. I just, um, I'm just curious though. Like, why why bring up? Because uh, uh, wasn't Vargas like a defiance player? Ah, no, Vargas and Sam and Inron are both on the first team. They are both on first team contracts. They earned that. Um, Vargas is 16 years old. Yeah, um, I've seen and- enough from that guy. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize he was that young. He's that young okay. and, and he has flashes of absolute greatness. And he is part of this great 
um, Sounders youth movement that is going to be the thing in four or five years, you're going to have the bulk of the team, like the, like there's going to be a core of anywhere from, I'd say eight to 10 or 12 guys who will have come through the Academy and will be this kind of the backbone of the team. They won't be the stars, or at least they're, they're not all going to be stars, but they're going to be filling out most of the starting lineup. They're going to be filling out a bunch of the key roles on, on the team and, um, you know, letting the Sounders go abroad to find those those big superstars like Ladero and Rui Diaz. Do you, do you think Danny um, Leva is the only real star? Who? Danny Leva. Do you think he's going to be a star? I don't know if Danny Leva is really going to be a star. I think that... Um, uh, Isn't he the I best? Think that Var- I actually think that Vargas and then um, Reed Baker Whiting are much more likely to become stars for the Sounders and then to be sold abroad. Um, they're just talented. They've been scouted. They're both on um, youth national teams um, already. And uh, Leva's also been just been dealing with, you know, kind of injury after injury for the last three or four years. He missed a whole season um, uh, a couple years back and just has not really, I mean, he's got all the talent to be a great, center midfielder but he's not just you know taken the bull by the horns and you know won the job right um so matt you know, he hasn't gone and made jao paulo extra right right so matt it sounds like it's not like we have a bunch of uh julio rodriguez's but rather a bunch mm-hmm. of novelli martes uh who has almost as high a ceiling i thought julio was supposed to be the Julio is going to be the next Fernando Tatis. Okay. All right. But Noelve, they're saying might be just as good. I don't know. We'll see him this year, actually. So just uh, just give you guys a little little bit of um, some perspective. Um, The the, the youth movement, um, Danny Leva, Josh Atencio, Reed Baker Whiting, Obed Vargas. um, There's another one I'm I'm missing. Anyway, those four guys are all going to be on – the boys, the youth national team in their age groups. Okay. That's, that's, that, that, that's how good they all are. And they, um, you know, whether or not they take advantage of their talent and whether or not they develop is kind of on them, but also, you know, obviously on the Sounders um, coaching staff and um, Academy, you know, development team to, to really make the best out of them. But they, they all have the talent to, um, to certainly eventually one day you know be good enough to be included on the national team in in some capacity is this whether or not they they take advantage of that and, and develop it's you know is this remains mis- to be seen is this so. a mistake rushing a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds up to nope. the main squad when i mean because nope. we saw it with the mariners mariners rushed evan white up uh yep. now they're gonna have to live with those consequences you know and it's um I think You're it's saying fundamentally no? a different game though than it's fundamentally of- a different game but here's the here's the other thing um Baseball is that one sport that you really can't rush people into. You can't draft it like football. They draft you and you go right on in and you, right. it's the same game. Basically that you get drafted out of college and you're a star immediately in the NFL. Uh, soccer is similar transition in terms of like, I mean, the game doesn't fundamentally really change. It maybe get faster right. because it's a higher level, right? But baseball, there's so many other factors. It's one of those sports you can't rush. Right. Here's the other thing. Brian Schmetzer is a veterans coach. He likes veteran players. He likes guys with experience. Lou Most Pinella. coaches do. Lou Most Pinella. coaches do. <laughs> Lou Pinella. He would Lou Pinella like to the nth degree. But here's the thing. Brian wants you to he would not have these guys on the first team if he did not think they were ready. This is not a situation where the GM's just like, here, play these guys, right? This is not a, a Billy Bean in Oakland with uh who was the the manager art no i can't remember who it was but he basically the manager was billy bean was the manager and the general manager he was telling the, the manager Howell. like how to use uh-huh. all yeah, those guys Howell, that's and, right the guy from the Moneyball year yeah yeah anyway um so th- this is not that situation the the uh, brian schmetzer is very involved in in personnel decisions but more to the point he's been seeing these kids since he took over as head coach, he's been seeing these kids 
when he was the first assistant. Okay, they, they, the, way, the way the Sounders are built, their academy trains at the same place at the same time as the first team. So the academy kids have been part of the team and part of the first team and being around and seeing the veteran players for, for years in a lot of the cases. And so he wouldn't have them on the first team if he didn't think they were going to be ready and if he didn't think they'd contribute. Um, he would have rather, you know, kept the the roster slots open uh, is this what for they call, you know midseason acquisitions. But is this what um, they call a generation Adidas? Um, so there are a couple guys that um, generation Adidas is a a way you break the salary cap for guys that are drafted out of college. Oh, none of these players okay. were drafted. These are all guys that came through the Sounders Academy, and the great thing about that, they don't count against the salary cap. So this is more like the Dominican Academy that the Mariners. Have. Yeah, basically. Except, except the thing is, is that like all these guys are from uh, the Pacific Northwest, except for uh, Vargas, who I, ironically enough is Alaska. from Anchorage, Alaska. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he came down and, and did residency. Um, the Sounders have a a, a residency and a and a host family program. Um. What kind of what kind of how's uh you know soccer programs do they have up in Alaska? I mean, I mean, I don't know exactly. Uh, grow like, up and 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 you know wanting to play soccer and and you know develop. I mean, in the summer you could play like a gajillion games. No, I understand. Never you play, but like in terms of sports leagues up there, because they're so isolated, it you know it doesn't have you know it's not like it's not like growing up in you know, in, in Latin America where, you know, every corner street corner has a team, you know, yeah, that's true. It's true. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's, it's kind of amazing that they found him to, to, um, you know, to be, to begin with, but um, two other things that happened in the off season, um, the Sounders announced a brand new headquarters and training facility at a historical sporting site in Western Washington. Long acres, right? old long acres track um and they are going to develop that building and the land um there's going to be four or five fields that are that are um there um and it's going to become a state-of-the-art facility there's going to be a museum and it's going to be a place that fans can come and like have a beer and watch sounders practice watch you know um you know training camp how, how um, much different is this than Starfire? This is going to be like Starfire, but like I'm trying to think. <laughs> this this is going to be Broken. like a kind of a cross between. I guess the best way to explain it, it's it's like the the Mariners spring training okay. facility. So it's going to be they're throwing money into this. It's not just this some... is going to be. This is this is going to be professional. Not just None of this municipal. is going to be rinky dink minor league like Starfire kind of is. Like Starfire was fine in its day and its era. I heard it's good it, for it's good for like high schools to go play, and it's good for well, I mean, community pickup games in the early two thousands when the Sounders were, you know, still playing in the old USL or the old A League, and then you know they'd host a. a an open cup match at Starfire. That was like perfect. Cause you get 2000 fans, you pack them in, everyone has beers and it's, it's loud. And it's a, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it, it'd be kind of like if the Mariners went to Cheney stadium down in Tacoma um, to play like a tournament, like some random one-off tournament. Right. And they packed, you know, Cheney stadium with about like 8,000 people. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of the same deal. It's, it's, it's definitely minor league and, and Starfire really is kind of a minor league venue. Now the, the Sounders have upgraded it over the years, but one of the big strategic questions that Garth Lagerway asked when he became the general manager uh, and, and got hired by the former guy um, who's the owner, Adrian Hanover was what are we doing here at Starfire? is this the permanent home of the Sounders or are we going to have a training facility someplace else? And um, are we going to build a stadium at that training facility? Are we going to try to do an all a soccer only stadium someplace with a training facility on the grounds? Like what, 
what is going on here? You know, big questions that are really need to be done at an ownership and at, you know, even a political level, right? Because, you know, usually that sort of thing, you have to get the, the local governments involved and whatnot. So um, I, I think for what the Sounders needed and wanted to do, that this is like a home run on so many different levels because, you know, it's a historical spot where the Long Anchors track used to be. And, I, and the Sounders indicated in their press conference, they're going to bring in some of that history and have an acknowledgement of that. It's a really pretty um, spot. It's like right on the um, the creek or the river. There's a, a river yeah. right there. I can't remember which one it's, it is. It's in, yeah, it's in um, Kent, and you can see the Mount Rainier. And I mean, you can see Mount Rainier. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 also just like it's like a mile from South Center. So if you wanted to go down there, you know, before training or like they were having an event, like there's other things to do in the neighborhood. It's not just like out in the boonies. Um, and it's not like the Seahawks uh, headquarters where like, yes, it's in Renton slash Bellevue slash whatever is over there. But like there's literally nothing by the Seahawks headquarters. Like it is on like a dead end back road kind of wherever they had space. And this this facility is going to be much more in a metropolitan area with things to do around it. So I think that it'll be a really cool um, addition to, uh, to the fabric of, um, you know, South center Tukwila, I guess it's technically Renton, but like all yeah. of the cities kind of mash mesh together there. So, so I want to circle back and I want to, I want to, I want to get both of you uh, giving your opinion. What, Give me, give me one thing the Sounders have to do to uh, reach the champ to get another championship, and then tell me uh, what you think they're going to do this year in terms of where they're going to finish, how high they're going to finish. Are they going to get a championship? Are they going to be eliminated in the playoffs, etc.? So we'll start with Abraham. Sure, uh, we've only seen one game, but I mean, we. I I I, I still wonder if the offense is a work in progress. I wonder if. Jordan Morris's knee, like, is he a Cooper cup where he's going to come back stronger and faster than ever? Or is this uh, just degradation uh, of that? Nico Ladero for the last couple of years um, gets, uh, same with Rui Diaz. They just put through so many games. The guys get tired. And then what happens is we lose critical games in September uh, like we did last year. And I just, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about what Rich was talking about maybe an infusion of youth. I believe we played five or six guys under the age of 20, 20 or younger and defeated Dallas. Like, I mean, they're kind of a slappy team, but I mean, like still, uh, you, you have 16 year olds, 17 year olds, 18, 19 and 20 year olds making up comprising most of your team. And we took them out. I mean, basically, you're sending the Everett Silver Tips out there is what you're telling exactly. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a great game. It, it was actually in Austin, the brand new team, and oh, it I was like it was Dallas. they had Matthew McConaughey out there firing up the crowd, and um, it was a it was a special game. I can't remember why it was special, but it was it was like a, a an event basically. And uh, the Sounders had a bunch of guys injured and a bunch of guys away on national team, and somebody suspended, and yeah. Uh, they won one to nothing that night. Um, All right. So Abraham. So, so I, where are they going? Well, we, with, we, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, Rich. We'll get to you. <laughs> well, uh, Abraham didn't finish. I want want him to hear. I want to hear. What do you where do you where do you think we're going to end? Uh, if you can build, if we can build off that scaffolding, uh, I I I saw some second in the West comparisons, and that's only because they had Nashville number one. And based off of what I saw with Nashville, that's a tough mountain to climb. I think Sounders finish. Uh, number two, just based off of initial impressions in the West. Okay. Now, Rich, let's hear what yeah, you I mean, I, I think that, um, I think the second of the West is, is likely not because I think the Sounders aren't going to be good, but rather, uh, because they, I mean, they, they do have two aging superstars in Rui Diaz and Ladero. And I think that both of them are probably going to miss a few games here and there. Not for national team duty, believe it or not, their Sounders do not have a single game scheduled while players would be away for national team duty. Um, and the World Cup this year is not during the summer, it's actually after the end of the season. So um, it's just a little bit of World Cup qualifying here and there. And the Sounders have have 
game, like have, have vacation, basically the, those, those windows. So um, that's really good news. Um, but I, I just think that some other team is going to catch lightning in a bottle. It's kind of what happens every year. If you look back, um, you know, in 2016, it was, um, it was Dallas in 2015. It was New York Red Bulls in 2017. It was Atlanta. They were the hot stuff. In 2018, it was LAFC. I mean, there's always a team that, or, or actually Toronto as well. Anyway, there's always a team that's got, you know, like the hot stuff, right? They're the, they're, they're better than everything else. And, um, and, and the Sounders are just more consistent and it's just really hard to win, win a conference. It's just really, really hard. So, um, I, I will jump in with one thing. Um, uh, I'm going to bring up political stuff, uh, with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, FIFA has kicked Russia out of the world cup and the qualifying there. And it looks like all the sporting, uh, organizations are kind of kind of come down pretty hard on, uh, on the, the Russian athletes and their federations. Except and I think it FIFA, absolutely yeah. is the, uh, the right, the right thing to do. One other thing, um, an oligarch, one of Putin's buddies, uh, Roman Abramovich, who is the owner of the Chelsea football club in England, um, is selling the club. Yeah. He's he, forced he out. And, yeah. uh, Oh really? What, yeah. yeah. Did, did that happen yeah, like recently? That broke today. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering so, about that because, um, and in my pessimistic view of things, I thought this was all just for show and it's like, okay, some silly little sanctions, but still they're just I mean, going to let the oligarchs I mean, off. like he can either sell the club now or he can wait for the UK government to seize his property. Yeah. And put it up for not, auction. These are not light sanctions. These are right. Death sentence like, to the Russian economy sanctions. Yeah. And, and I was going to say like, just a reminder uk is a country that has in our living in our lifetimes nationalized industries really so i mean they could nationalize a soccer club you know make it a, make it a back a home to trust so anyway make it like arsenal and make divest it to private to yeah. stockholders i do have to say i appreciate that they're doing that FIFA is doing that because the FIA, the Formula One organization, uh, just cho- just chose to not do that. There's a Russian driver and a big Russian sponsor for one of the teams, and they're willing to let them go forward. And the UK said, oh, no, we're not issuing a visa. So guess what? That driver can't race in our races. <clears throat> but, uh, well, yeah, no, FIFA, good on them. Well, I mean, the athletes, um, I-, I have a hard time getting too angry at them. Uh, they're just doing what they're doing. I mean, like uh, Alexander yeah. Ovechkin for Washington capitals. I mean, well, he should actually shut up. What he should do is not use Twitter. No athlete should use Twitter is my recommendation. Oh yeah. But, Stay on social media. It's dumb. But I mean, I mean it, like, it, unless it's like, Hey, we won or Hey, we yeah. gave it a good yeah, or, try. Right. Like, or you, or you leave the town and you go, Hey, thanks Seattle for being yeah, great. Exactly. I, you know, I'll miss you guys or whatever. Yeah, That's fine. Uh, <laughs> what's that? What's that baseball bull? Dur- you do your bull Durham uh, cliches. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Like do but your I bull love Durham that. cliches and leave it at that. Just happy to be here. <laughs> Ready to do whatever the team wants me for. Mm-hmm. We haven't. We have definitely not heard those cliches ourselves in our interviews with the Aqua Sox players. Um, <laughs> and uh, my favorite, my favorite is the in shot in Bull Durham where he actually uh, says all all like four of them. In the in like within like one sentence, one answer immediately to the press. But yeah. anyway, let's move on. Speaking of Bull Durham, I want to move on to baseball. Um, you know, there's a lockout. This is a fact. Uh, there's a deadline this week. Uh, it 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 didn't get made. <laughs> they didn't make it. They uh, they they did they did work until about two o'clock. In the, in the morning uh, on the on the deadline night and they extended the deadline until the following day and still weren't able to get things to work um you know what i want to i want to hear from 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 both of you uh we'll start with rich uh which side are you on are you on the owner there's very clearly two sides the owners and the players um where do you player, where do you fall the players I, I I'm usually on the side against oligarchs. Okay. So, all right. Um, all the all the major league baseball ownerships and owners and ownership groups are oligarchs. So pretty much. Um, and they have decided they want to squeeze their employees who are 
in general, very, very well compensated. And I Some think, of them are. well, yeah, the top end of them are right. Yeah. And I think that they have picked the wrong time to pick a fight with Tony Clark. Okay. Abraham, what do you but think? Tony Clark is the president of he's the, the, he's the president of the players association, the players association, yes. Yes. former, former player giants, uh, first baseman. Yeah. Uh, I think he came up with Detroit. Yeah, I was going to say he was a Detroit. That's where I remember him was in oh, Detroit. Oh, was he? Okay. I think he I played think for he the Giants. Mixed, he finished Giants his career too. as a Giant, yeah, but he's, yeah. Yeah, I remember him in Detroit. Anyway, um, I, I can't think of a better type of player to be to be the leader of the players in that he was he was never a superstar, right? He, he, he wasn't... I don't, I don't even know if you would call him a star. I think you just call him like... He was baseball middle class. He was yeah, middle, baseball he was middle a solid class starter and a bit better than a journeyman, right? Like yeah. like like just a solid starter, right? He was a solid starter. Um, a modern day analog might be like a Kyle Seeger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, he was always the guy that played after Will Clark. It was my, in my head. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he took over for Will Clark and, and the Giants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, and, uh, and did okay job. Answer, I mean, that's to answer Matt's question. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm on either side, to be honest. I mean, there, there's there's the minor league player, like maybe a Donnie Walton. I'm sorry, what, what's he now? Is he Don, Don, Donovan? Uh, Donovan? Donovan. Donovan Walton. Now Donovan. Yes. <laughs> your your Donovan Waltons. Your uh, you know your guys that are career four A type of guys. Um, they're they're getting screwed in this whole thing by the owners. Like the fact that the owners won't increase the minimum uh, minimum level for them, and then the minor leaguers, uh, who they've screwed over in the last three years by cutting half of the teams and um, forcing teams to uh, forcing teams to go into bankruptcy, uh, the owners got nothing for me. So I give it. I guess I give it to the players by default. But I actually, what I'm really upset about is this weekend I was supposed to go to Arizona. I was supposed to watch the, the Mariners against, I think it was the Reds on, on Saturday. And uh, get one of the terrible spring training hats. I want to get one of the terrible trucker hats. Yeah. And, you know, maybe a wife beater shirt. They're half and, mesh this year, in case anyone <laughs> didn't know. And, uh, no, I, 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 I just think about the city of Peoria needs this money. Yeah, all that business, all those businesses, all the bars nearby, all the restaurants. and After, and... after two COVID years. And all the businesses that, you know, shut down, this could have been, you know, this could have been a rehab for them. Uh, but nope. Screw Peoria, apparently, is what the owners want to do. Well, it's not just Peoria. It's everywhere. I don't, think, I don't, think yeah. I don't, I don't care about Mesa or anything. Like that. Well, don't forget, don't forget <laughs> the, the people who work in the stadium. That's what I'm talking about. Don't forget about. the people who yeah, work in the, exactly. in the, in the major the park, league stadiums. The parking lot attendants. The, yeah. Um, the front offices of people that, you know, they're, yeah. they might, they might see some cuts, you know, because yeah. their owners are greedy. I, I saw an article earlier today. I, I'm, I'm trying to find out. I can't remember where, who, who wrote it, but they did, they ran the numbers and it came out to like what the players are asking for would cost each team something like at most like three to $4 million more a year at most. That's really the level that they're asking for in an increase, it means so what you're, it would go to the mostly the lower end players, but on, in, on average, it would be like three to four million dollar increase in payroll for the players for the teams. And the there's only one team whose books have come out public because they're owned by a corporation, and that's the Atlanta Braves. And they and last year, even a down year, uh, they made 121 million dollars in profit. That's after revenue, after, after paying salaries. their players and everything. They made profit, $121 million. So you can't tell me they can't afford three or four more million dollars to the players. And that's an Atlanta team. That's an Atlanta yeah. team. They albeit, you know, they were on a tear last year and they were okay, amazing to watch. Like, but but Atlanta the season started with a COVID restriction, so they couldn't put as many people in the stadium as they wanted, you know. And so the revenue was fans. Well, the <laughs> revenue wasn't what it what it could have been. So right. put it Put them in a put them in a, a more friendly baseball, you know. Go to Boston, yeah, you know, Philly, Fenway, without or you know without without any COVID restrictions, and project over a full season. And and you know you've got teams making three four hundred million dollars in profit a year. 
and you're not willing to go five or six million dollars at most to your players who are generating the wealth. You don't go buy a jersey that says the team owner's name on the back. And that's the thing that kind of bu- that's the thing that kind of bugs me about this whole thing is again I go to the borderline players and you know getting them paid because you know their career might be seven games and that's it. You know, like yeah, you can drop them. Maybe a four A guy, you know. And the out of control spending for players. That's the fault of, of, of the owners. Yeah. You don't have to pay all that money. And the fact that teams tank Mariners, I'm looking at you, Kansas city. I'm looking at you, you know, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. I'm looking at you, you know, there should never, in my opinion, ever be a situation. You guys remember suck for luck where Indianapolis, the, yeah. the accusations where they tanked the season to get Andrew luck. I mean, well, that should Peyton never Manning was out that whole season. They they weren't gonna they weren't gonna win anyway. Yeah, but still, you should have some pride <laughs> in what you're doing. You should try to always win. It, yeah, it shouldn't be a scenario where, all right, we're the the fact that they won't the owners don't want to have a lottery just baffles me. It's like, no, you need to stop these teams like Pittsburgh from freaking, you know, just. Take what you have is, is oligarchs like like uh, like like Rich said uh, who don't want us part with any more money, more of their money. Uh, they like making money off of it every year. Oh yeah, and they they have an ex labor lawyer, uh, Mister Manfred, as their as their minion, who goes out to the press and lies lies for them. Yeah, he told he told the press last week or two weeks ago that uh, you know the the. Um, the increase in value in teams is less than uh, the, if you put your money in the stock market. It's not a good investment to own a major league team right now. He was absolutely bald faced lying. <laughs> okay, you know, like um, our 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 listeners probably don't care, but I I do investments and advise people, and I've been doing it for fifteen years now. Yeah. and um, owning a any sports franchise in the United States. Um, and just about any team in the top flight, you know, in, 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 in world football has been the single best investment oh, yeah. that you could possibly make other than like catching lightning in the bottle and buying Amazon in 1994 or whatever it was. Right. Like yeah. outside of that, like absolutely the, these owners, because they have a limited resource and there's a demand for it. And so if you have a limit, you limit the, the, the supply and the demand goes up and up and up, of course, the value is going to go up. So that's just a whole bunch of hooey. I just, um, I just want to go back to my thing. Like it, 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 the owners and in Pittsburgh benefit from not having to compete. And then the owners uh, in, let's say like Boston and New York are okay with teams like Pittsburgh because it's free, easy wins. Right. And but they, so, but they also contribute money to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh by right. sucking. Yeah, but it's, it's part sim- of the revenue sharing. Sure, and it's symbiotic. Yeah, yeah, and it's dumb. I and it's bad for the game. It's terrible for the game. It's terrible for the product on the field. But I need to I'm, remind you that the Manfred is the man who about a was a year and a half ago said that the World Series trophy is just a piece of metal. Yeah, well, he's a puppet for the owners. I mean, well, he, here's the problem, guys. And I've, I've been thinking about this for baseball, and maybe maybe you'll tell me that I'm I'm full of it, and I need to go jump off a a short pier, but. The problem with baseball and its hierarchy, its executive branch, the, the office of the commissioner, which basically has all the power now, like it used to be that there were league presidents and they had offices and they had people and stuff. And that's all that's all gone. Right. It's all in the commissioner's office. That's all that's left. The problem is the commissioner's office ought to be an independent, um, basically trusteeship that is appointed by the owners and by the players association and by other stakeholders in major league baseball. That's socialism, son. We can't allow that in America. No, Matt, Matt, he wants to be rich, wants to be Kennesaw mountain Landis is what he wants. No, 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 he wants worker councils. Like they have in those evil socialist countries in Europe. I want a commissioner's office. That's actually interested in the best interests of baseball. Wait, wait. You watch sports in the United States mm-hmm. and you think the commissioner's office 
cares? No. In no, any, no. In any of those I don't. sports? <laughs> I don't. My point is baseball specifically has an antitrust exemption. That needs to Yank go. It. Yank that needs it. To go. It, it, is, it is subject to federal regulation because of the antitrust exemption specifically. Like Yank it, 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 it has a, a special thing. And if it and if that is the case, and my my other my my reasoning for this is that the the owners have never negotiated in good faith in the history of baseball. They have never negotiated in good faith. They've never acted in good faith as a group. Um, and so I get it that that like the best baseball players are are millionaires because of genetic luck, basically, right? Well, it's they not just that. It's, it's there's hard work. It's, or there's, throw there's a hard fastball. Work. There's hard work put in there too. I want. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, no, like, there, there absolutely is, and I want to. I want to say this real fast. Sorry. These are these players. It's the market. It's the market because right. these players are literally the point zero 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 one percent of their profession. Sure. There's not anyone out there who can hit a hundred mile an hour curve ball, fastball or whatever. You know, there's not anyone right. who can throw a throw a curveball and you know consistently and and hit ninety miles an hour and locate it right. so they are paid I, i'm okay with max scherzer making 45 million dollars a year i have no problem with that because he's the only guy who can do it you, right. you know versus like ceos in, in america who supposedly have these skills that they can you can swap them out and they're getting paid 20 million dollars a year i'm like no no you're not one of the 0.00001 of your profession i'm sorry so when it comes to baseball players making obscene amounts of money i don't buy the argument at all they are the pinnacle of their profession and I'm fine with them because they have a short window right when they're on top and it's actually it's getting shorter because of no PEDs and all that so players are ending their careers in the 30s so they have a responsibility to their families to make as much money as they can while they have a marketable skill but anyway, yeah, anyway makes sorry. sense anyway but I wish that there was really was a an independent um an independent office of, of the commissioner that's job really was to adjudicate between um, the owners and, uh, and, and the players and wasn't just a stooge for, for the owners. And no, I do not want a dictator like Kennesaw mountain Landis, but <laughs> maybe, maybe someone more like say, Vin- um, Vincent or- was it uh Faye Vincent? Um, who, who was strong enough to stand up to the owners, right? Um, I'll do it. I'll tell them to go out and go F themselves <laughs> to their faces. Right. I got no problem doing that. By the way, so guys, anyway. by the way, guys, I, I uh, you, your Dodgers, Matt, might buy, oh. might buy Chelsea for 3 billion from uh, Roman. Maybe the ownership group, uh, the owner, I, I don't know. I just a thing I saw. I mean, that's okay. like. One of the Magic owners, Johnson and a whole bunch yeah, of other Magic people, Johnson, right? there's a there's a head dude. Magic Johnson's a minority owner. Oh yeah, but he's Todd, like a minority owner in anything in LA. So Todd, you know. Todd Bowley? Yeah, could be. Is. I have no idea who that is, but no, it's it's somebody else, but yeah. Oh my god. And now I shouldn't have looked up Russian oligarchs. Apparently there's a nuclear reactor on fire in Ukraine. Oh yeah, they were <laughs> fighting around a nuclear reactor today. Apparently there isn't any um <laughs> any radiation reported but yeah, oh that's fighting. great um thanks guys well and chernobyl's behind yeah. battle lines right now yeah well at least they're not having a battle at chernobyl so great things are happening in the world yes <laughs> well let's i i think maybe we end the show on that note Is it mark walter <laughs> who's mark walter i don't know no todd, Bully. Main, he, todd yeah he's the main he's the main owner Todd Bowley is who's going to. Oh, Todd Bowley is a part of the Guggenheim uh, group. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll just th- one last thought on baseball. I, I think that this, this labor dispute, um, I, I think the owners really did pick it, pick doing this at the wrong time. The, the players have been preparing for this for the last 10 years. Um, and Tony Clark and his staff have, been preparing the players for this for the last 10 years and they have a war chest they have money they have resources they have like their lawyers ready to go on different things and this does not end well for the owners from a political standpoint from a fans 
siding with the owners against the players. Like uh, the owners have done a really good job the last 15 years of making the players look like a bunch of whiny, spoiled, rich kids, right. Where it's really the other way around. Um, And I just don't, I mean, this is, this is like a 1994, 95 uh, possibility of, of hurting the game that badly or worse. Yeah. I agree with you, Rich, because yeah, I brought up Faye Vincent and uh, for those older listeners, you might remember he was always kind of fighting with uh, Bud Selig, who owned the Brewers. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. Reinsdorf, who owned the actually like all the owners, he was fighting with them all the time. Mark Schott and Mark um, Schott. Yeah. yeah, the guy that owned the White Sox and yep. A's owner. He, he was fighting with them all the time, and that's kind of why they you know tried to get rid of him, and they did get rid of him and installed Bud Selig an owner. And if that didn't tip your, their hand as to what major league baseball owners are all about, I mean, that's. Well, I, I, I also, I, you know, okay. Two, two last things. Uh, one, yes, the own, rich, rich nailed it. The owner started this. It's a 100% on them. They locked out the players and then they waited two and a half months before they even talked to the players, which was dumb. Uh, and two, uh, on some of the more conspiracy-minded uh, writing and so forth, I read um, apparently if the owners, if, if they miss the first month, but they start on May 1st or right around there, uh, they will still be owed the full amount from the regional sports network, so their TV contract will be impacted, but they won't have to pay all the players for that month, and they oh, won't have to pay God. to have the stadium run for that month. So they'll, it'll be the best of both worlds, and they hopefully break the union, which they're trying to do. So maybe that's their goal, their their long term goal is they, they know they got to come back on May first, but oh, and, yeah. then, and then anybody they bring up, that- anybody that they bring up from the minor leagues, what is it, mid May? They don't count as a full season, right? Uh, it's after, it's after like May. It depends on the year, but it's usually like around May fifteenth or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. <laughs> double whammy. That's why Chris Bryant didn't get up until May, whatever, even though he was crushing it. Yeah. And that's what the player, that's one of the things the players want to stop. Did you have but, a final, final thought there, Rich? Oh, just like, yeah. With the, with the nonsense that, uh, Oh, who's, who's the hot young player for the, for the Mariners that, that the Mariners management did the same thing to Jared Kalanick. Kalanick. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just, it's just nonsense like that. Like, well, it turned out to be correct because he wasn't ready. Okay, but but that's not the point. True. Right. Like the fact that the owner is in a like a, a chamber of commerce like meeting oh. bragging about how he's screwing over his employee. Yeah. Kevin Mathers, yeah. Yeah, that guy's a dirtbag. Right. So I mean, like, and this is endemic, right? Like this is And that's why the player that's one of the things the players wanted to end. They wanted to make sure that they can that if you come up and you're and you're, you know you're good and you're contributing to the team. It, it should count towards your service time. Yeah. You should get credit. So. All right. Such, such nice things to end a show on. Uh, I was hoping, I was hoping everybody to, to, to yell at Matt and to yell at rich and prove how wrong they are. But we came into agreement at the end of the show. <laughs> Owners suck. Yes. All right. Uh, this, we're at the end of the show uh, and this is where we, end our show on a positive note especially after all that negativity um matt let's start with you do you have a shout out for this week i do uh tomorrow is my parents 50th wedding anniversary they're, they're they've gone to hawaii to celebrate it and I, I got them a sweet cabana rental and everything for it and i uh i wish them well and uh congratulations on 50 good years wow um, I don't know how to follow that up, <laughs> but um, I, will, I will try. I'll, I'll keep it sports related. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to um, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll for saying all the right things in the off season. Hopefully they can write the good ship Seahawk, get some uh, good chemistry in the clubhouse and continue the best quarterback head coach partnership um, that uh, we've ever seen. Awesome. And I'm going to give a shout out to uh, my cousin who's getting married uh, this weekend. I'll be heading down to Phoenix. Go check that out. And um, uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to see a baseball game, but that's 
just a side note to a more magnificent experience that will happen. Uh, and I want to thank uh, Rich the Ram Michelson and that damn dirty duck, Matt Page, for being on the show tonight. And check out all of our great content on SeattleSportsTeam.com as well. Check out some of our fantastic guests that we've had lately. Thank you, Brian Solak, for getting them on board, like Mike Sando. Uh, do we have a, Matt, do we have a special keyword? One that- A key, oh, uh, a password a for password him? A password for Brian? Um, Banana hammock. Banana hammock. Brian, next time we see you, <laughs> you need I don't to know. tell us banana hammock. All right, guys, uh, again, check us out on SeattleSportsCene.com as well. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on iTunes as well on social media at SeattleSportsU and Facebook, just like us. See you guys <laughs> next time. Thank <laughs> you.